Uh, go ahead and start with a prayer. See if see if Chap can get anybody's attention. Everybody, stand to your feet. Joe, we're going to invite the Holy Ghost in this place. That's what's going to happen. He'll take control. All right. Father, we thank you again today for this opportunity once again to come together in unity with one mind. We ask you, Lord, that you will just move throughout this place, touch the hearts of each and every one that's here. Those that are in the lobby, God, we ask you just to lasso them and bring them in. We ask you, Lord, for those on their way to bring them with safe travels. And we believe that on tonight as we go through eight and nine, you're going to do a mighty work in the lives of these, your people. So we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in advance for what you're about to do. Have your way in this place. Move in and out of the aisles. Touch the hearts. Once again, of these, your people, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. Thank you, chap. So who do we got here that's here for the first time tonight? Anybody? All right. Thank you. First of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you'll be able to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Does that make sense? So, what we do is I try and show you how I find my experience in the book, and I try and encourage you to have your experience. And if we both do our job, we share a spiritual experience in the room every time we meet. How many of you have been here before and can witness for folks that happens? There you go. So those of you online couldn't see it because of the anonymous nature of our fellowships, but they were raised in their hand. Um, what we're talking to you about in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience. You'll feel it. And when you do, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention, because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? How many of you are members in here tonight? Good deal. How many of you are graduates in here tonight? Family members? Supportive friends? Who we got here? All right. So one of the things that's happened recently is the, the tablets now capture this broadcast on delay, and of course they've been getting our videos, so um, they'll see you or they'll hear you if you're loud enough. Can we give a welcome to all the people in ADCRR? And one more shout out, all the tablets in Maricopa County similarly can hear you. You want to give them a shout? And one more public service announcement. There was a four-year chip found in the uh, parking lot sometime this week. It's been turned into safety. So if someone here lost a four-year chip with a little purple face on it, um, safety has it at the front desk. Okay? All right. So tonight we're going to take a look at steps eight and nine. 
How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps and is attempting to work with others? Oh, good, a good percentage of you. So tonight we're going to be looking at the fitness step, the freedom step. The rest of you, if you're not in the process, what we're going to describe to you tonight is the reason why you might want to go through this process because although we may not want to subdue the ego and empower the spirit and all these things that this, this discipline brings about, all of us would like more freedom. Yes? Okay, so, so we're starting on page 76, and it says, Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Do any of you recognize that reference? Oh, good. So someone knows that comes from the book of James, right? And for AA's purpose, faith without works is dead because faith is an observable act, right? If I'm, if I'm walking in faith and I'm walking in service, someone's liable to catch me and they'll see my faith through my action. How many of you heard about New Freedom before you came to New Freedom? How many of you were amazed at what was here when you got here? So, every single person who comes through here and works here and all of you programming here, everyone who comes in new sees your faith through this action. You understand that? That's how, that's how important it is. And that's why faith without works is dead. The other thing about it on a personal note is if I'm not demonstrating my faith in this power and this deliverance, I won't ever prove this power to me through me. So it's got to be real for me because my dependency on drugs and alcohol was not theoretical. <laughs> Okay. All right, so let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom, we'll, we're, whom we are willing to make amends. When did we get such a list? So those of you that have done that, you got it when you took your fourth step inventory, and the authors say we made it when we took inventory. Why do I call your attention to that? They're talking about their experience. We're trying to align ours with theirs. We're not we, right? They've told us who we is. Okay. All right. So it says, we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. How many of you considered your fourth step experience drastic? How many of you haven't started yet because it seems drastic? Okay. So now it says, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. So now they're telling us clearly what the step is about. It's not about apologies, it's about reparations. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. So they're getting more and more emphatic. Willingness is divine power. If I lack willingness to move forward in my own self-interest or in the interest of others, then what I'm going to need to do is get disciplined about asking for willingness. Does that make sense? Because we tend to think my willingness is some kind of badge, but no, I, my willingness 
although through me is not of me. I learned that from my experience. How many of you had a willingness to stop using long before any outward action showed it? How many of you all of a sudden had something change and all of a sudden you were willing to do all kinds of things you'd never been willing to do? So it's kind of silly to claim credit for it now, isn't it? Okay. All right. So, and the, and the reason you want to go forward is you will be challenged in your walk in the way. And if you don't continue to ask for willingness, there's going to be times when you just will lack the fortitude to persevere. Yes? How many of you have been challenged in sobriety? Someone forgot to tell us that clause, life goes on, when we started, didn't it? All right, so remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. They put that in italics. Why did they want to remind us of that? It's very important and probably the person or entity to whom I made that promise is very important. Who did I make that promise with? Yeah, that, that was the beginning, yeah. All right, so then they go immediately into the experience of it. Probably there are still some misgivings. <laughs> Sean apparently recognized misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel different about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. But how many of you had some rather nefarious business acquaintances? And you don't, not too cool about going to them on a spiritual basis. Okay, so it says, let us be reassured to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. So they're telling you that I'm not leading with that, but that doesn't mean I don't make the approach. And how many of you have started on your journey into a different life and people you thought hopeless heard about you and came around? So I'm feeling you. Who's feeling that? That's the power we call God. That's not happening. It's happening up here, but it's not. What's your feelings happening in you? And what I'm talking about is just because there's misgivings doesn't mean that's not the way. Okay? All right. So then I said we might prejudice them. At the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. So this isn't about me putting my life in order entirely, although that is my singular focus in the early days. Yes? Anyone relate to that? Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Oh, that was good. I got a so the idea is, how many of you felt like your life lacked purpose at times? How many of you have found that when you started using what you thought was the worst experiences of your life to lift up other people, somehow you felt inspired that you felt like you were walking in purpose? How many of you were able to say things about yourself and that deliverance that you never really thought you would want to share with people? So that's our real purpose. There's a promise in that other book that says all things together for the good. Yes? And, but I've got to participate in that plan. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it says it's seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we've gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. 
Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? So there's a question mark. What they want us to do is ask ourselves, or is that what we're thinking? Am I challenged by approaching them and telling them the truth that I had nothing to do with what you see standing before you? I'm as baffled as you are. Yeah? But I'm afraid that I'm going to be branded a fanatic or a religious bore based on their experience of me. They haven't had enough opportunity observing me to believe that there's some change in me. Any of you have that fear? Because that's what they're wanting us to do. So they're, they're talking about it. And of course, that's exactly what would happen if we weren't demonstrating change nature. Yes? So it says, we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. So don't do it if that's not the right thing. Let them inquire of you. How many of you have had people, once you started just doing better, then you ran into somebody and go, dude, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing that. That's the time to tell them, actually, I'm not the doer, but I'm being faithful to the power that redeemed me. Then you can honor your third step, right? Your power, your love, your way of life. All right. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. So it's all about demonstrations, isn't it? He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. I've said it here, I don't know how many hundreds of times, but they're not going to be impressed with, been out there looking for God, sure sorry about your stereo. Because their interest is in where is my stereo. If I were to show up with said stereo, they may be more interested in listening. Yes? So a demonstration of goodwill rather than talk of spiritual discoveries. All right. So we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. So if you guys are new to this, when I say God, we say power around here because power and God are interchangeable as we're growing in the experience, right? Okay, so when it will serve any good purpose, we're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. How many of you kind of feel that? You're already, are you already thinking about that? Someone that really did you wrong? Anybody? Yeah? We'll get you, we'll, we'll get you grown out of that. God loves you. Quit disagreeing with him. You know what I mean? All right. So it may be that he's done us more harm than we've done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're not too keen about admitting our faults. So they're talking about, okay, legit, I probably did him dirty, but he did me more dirty. Any of you got any of those? I'm suffering less from him doing me dirty than my thoughts about him doing me dirty. And I don't know whether it's my thoughts about him doing me dirty or my thoughts about me doing him dirty I'm really suffering from. And I'm not going to know that until I own mine. Right? Okay. So nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. What do they mean? Yeah, it may be, tr- it may be hard. So I'm going to have to bite down and move forward. Yeah? Okay. It's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. 
So you may not find that's true for you in the very first thing. It'll always be true. It'll be more beneficial, but you may not be empowered with enough willingness to go to the one you hate first. You may have to go to the ones you love first and work your way into it. Does that make sense? That's why the book's laid out the way it is. To the family, to the wife, to the employer. Get a circle of support around you, and then you start widening the circle. Make sense? Okay. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. So how would one get in a helpful and forgiving spirit? Yeah, and I'm going to have to know there's power in that, aren't I? Because remember, this is a guy I hate. He's done me more wrong than I've done him. If I don't want to have to go make amends for the amends I tried to make, I'm going to need a power greater than myself. Any of you ever go to make amends and ended up having to make amends for the amends you tried to make? Okay, so, so that's not something we don't know about. Okay, so under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell them that we'll never get over drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. We're there to sweep off our side of the street realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. I want you to get that qualification. If that's not the truth for me, if I don't honestly believe that I'll never get over my addictions unless I do my utmost to make it right to you, it, you'll know it, especially in our crowd. Because it, if it's not true, it will not come with the spirit of truth. So I'm just, if, you, if that's not where you're at, be honest with you, because we're in the, you know, you're, you're conceited to your own innermost self, you're armed with the facts, and now you're moving in the spirit. And so you, if you're just putting on an act, everyone you're acting in front of is going to know. Does that make sense? Okay. So never trying to tell him what he should do, his faults are not discussed, we stick to our own. See how many times they said that different ways? You think there was a reason for that? How many of you have tried to make amends and it was got diverted? Like I'm just, and we're really not about making the amends anyway. They're talking about approaches. The amends is actually honoring what they asked me to do to make it right. Does that make sense? The amends is changed behavior. But there's an approach to get a specification for said changed behavior. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so then it says, we stick to our own, and then they give us a promise if those conditions are met. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So how many of you have gone to make an approach and we're not gratified with the result? So you would just simply have to go back and ask yourself, was I calm? Was I frank? Was I open to what they had to say? Right? Calm would be centered in the spirit, so even though I was feeling a little trepidation, it wouldn't be showing outwardly. Frank would be direct, not trying to spin it to my advantage, which is often what we do, because we're pretty good at deflecting, just a little. And the other thing that sometimes throws us off is, is we're not open to them having some other experience of us that we didn't remember or consider. Ever had that happen? When I approached somebody, told them everything you thought there was, and they had some other thing that was really troubling them, and, and you, you found that piling on or something? We do. Okay, so those, we'll know if we don't get, if we're not gratified, one of those things is happening. Or we're anxious for the outcome right away, and it's just not time, right? 
But that often happens with family. You go to make amends to family, you make the approach. Families noticeably dis they distant, they want to watch you for a little while. Okay. All right. So in nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we're calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. So take that as a promise. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress, and satisfactory progress may not look like satisfactory progress to you in the moment. Yes? Any of you try and talk to people because it was a burden to you, but they weren't quite ready to meet the new you. They were still living with the experience of the old you. So that can take some time to play out, that's all we're saying. Okay, so our former enemies sometimes praise what we're doing and wish us well, and occasionally they'll offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office, we've made our demonstration, done our part, it's water over the dam. Their response to my attempt is not discrediting. It may feel so, but the reality is I've done what I can in the moment. And at least I showed them that I was willing. When they're willing, we can try again. Does that make sense? Okay. So most alcoholics owe money. Any of you relate to that? In all the years I've been doing this, I've met exactly one who claimed that he did not owe money. I still don't believe him. <laughs> we do not dodge our creditors. Telling them that what we're trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. So how many of you thought you were keeping your addiction kind of on the down low? And when you finally admitted it, you kind of made it unanimous. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. So a lot of people kind of misread that, go easy. I have no right to hold back my alcoholism if my actions in that addiction harm them. I harmed you, feeding my addiction. You didn't deserve that. What can I do to make it right? However, if I've never met this person and I'm hoping they're going to give me a job or let me date their family member or whatever the things that we encounter and I lead with, I'm an alcoholic. Well, they're not required to understand. And everyone's got their own mental image of what that means. So, so go easy. I mean, recover out loud with your mouth shut. How's that? <laughs> we'll know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Okay. All right. So approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we're sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We, may, we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we're liable to drink if we're afraid to face them. So fear is going to cause a self to manifest. 
Now you may say, well, I don't have to pay those bills right now, and, and I understand that you'll get into it when you get into it, but what I'm trying to tell you is we take everything personally, and especially in early recovery, it feels like the world's coming down on us at times, and I, I can't give them my money because I gotta do this, and, and the thing is they never wanted my money, they wanted their money. We've gotta have a growing perspective, right? And so we're going to have to arrange deals as we go, and we're going to have to lose that fear because if I don't lose that fear, I'm going to lie to them about something. And there are no little lies when you're trying to live in an honest way of life. There's no little ones. They all lead to a bigger one. Okay. All right, so perhaps we've committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. Perhaps. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We've already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we're sure we'd be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. So they're going through a list of things we may or may not have done. A lot of us in, in this crowd have probably checked all the boxes. But we're really not trying to compare so much with them as just find myself somewhere in it, right? All right, so maybe we're divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up with the alimony, number one. She's indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. So now they're going to go into what I just was laying out for you. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding. So we're going to look at the general principles, not the specifics, because there's innumerable. As many of us as are here, there's all the areas where we've got fears around trying to repair the damage done, yes? Okay. So the general principles that they find guiding are reminding ourselves that we've decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. Did you know that's what our decision was? Because if you just go to fellowship and you don't get into the manner of living, you might think the goal of 12-step recovery is abstinence. Any of you ever heard that? Yeah, I don't drink no matter what. I don't pick up no matter what. At least I'm sober today. We could think that, couldn't we, just based on that conversation. What is the goal of 12-step recovery? To awaken spiritually. Because I can't live abstinent unless I awaken spiritually. I've tried it. Okay, so I'm willing to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience because there's only one other thing in my life I've been willing to go to any lengths to find. Whatever was going to make me feel different in that moment. Yep. Okay. So... We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. Try saying that prayer if you're trying to grow into an adult. Look, all of us get here with immature thinking, immature emotional stuff. I'm not picking on anybody. All of us come here that way. So what I'm saying is you want to grow in your prayer life? Give me the strength to do whatever I got to do, no matter what the outcome is. 
but check with somebody to see if there's not a path short of, we'll get to that, okay? <laughs> we may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. Why? Why am I in recovery if I'm not willing to go to any lengths to find this spiritual experience to get me out of this pickle? I mean, I got to ask myself that on the regular, right? Am I here just joking? Or am I really wanting to be free? And if I want to be free, how free do I want to be? Okay. So we have to be, we must not shrink at anything. Usually, however, other people are involved. Now they're going to talk to us about those mysterious others. Yeah? Therefore, we're not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. So that's one of the conditions. I don't have a right to put my family or my employer through an undue hardship like I always did in my addiction without at least consulting them about my plan. Does that make sense? So there's all these others out there that are affected because as our world grows, the insanity of addiction, of alcoholism is a, an appalling lack of perspective, the inability to think clearly. So as my worldview grows, and I realize everything I do not only has consequences for me, but it may have consequences for others, then I've got to start involving them in my actions to the extent it will affect them. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, a man we know had remarried because of resentment and drinking. He'd not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life had secured a position and was getting his head above water. So what are they talking to him about? The way of life is the manner of living described in this book. Before there was a book, they were involved in a manner of living. It's the very same manner of living this entire center was based on. Okay? So we, we look to our brothers and sisters and try and find a way to meet their needs. Okay? And so he had come to them and he was learning about the manner of living. He had secured a position. How many of you have gotten a job but not the job coming back from the depths? Okay. And then it says, and he was getting his head above water. Yeah, starting to get the bills paid just barely. Might get to eat every so often. Okay. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, here I am. Look at the words they use. It would have been impressive heroics. What's the goal here? Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the impressive heroics out of me. Right? Because they've, they've caused me to do weird things. <laughs> so... They're going to talk about why a fellowship grows up about us and why some guidance outside of ourselves can help us program or, or process those thoughts. And you're going to do what you want to do anyway. Any of us in the spirit know you're going to do what you want to do anyway. We're not going to try and talk you out of it, but we're going to help you process it so that you can move consciously in whatever consequence you reap. Does that make sense? Okay. So we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. See, he had forgotten them. His intent was good. You ever have good intent, bad outcome? His intent was good, but he hadn't considered the outcome and the hardship on the family and the employer who had just given him a leg up. 
So we suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. See, he didn't send them out to them to say, this is what I got to do. He sent them right back to the accuser. And he said, let's talk and see if we can get this mitigated before we just go lopping heads off. Okay? All right, so he, to his wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and he also sent a small amount of money. So anytime I'm asking for something, I need to be bringing something. It's part of the manner of living. Don't go to the judge without a plan and a payment. How many of you have been told that around here? Do not go with a plan and a payment. Okay, or a plan for a payment. Okay, and he sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. So now I'm laying the plan out. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Which of those things do you think was noticed by her as changed behavior in him? Yeah, everyone sort of keys on one thing or another, but the entirety of it sort of demonstrated a, a whole, right, I'm, here's some money, here's a plan, and I didn't do any of this to get out of the jam with you. If you still insist that I go, I'm willing to go, and we'll, we'll go from here, right? And then it says, of course she did not. Now let me explain to you, before he went with that offering, he didn't have the little, of course, she did not, to go on. He had to go on faith. Does that make sense? I don't know how many of you, but many of you I've gone to court with over time, and I've watched people go through and face their consequences, and I, I know that it takes an element of faith to walk head, head high into your consequences. And believe me, when I walk in with you guys, many of you, I feel you're burdened. I know you're burdened. But I, I promise you there's a deliverance. I look at Jeff every time I think about this. Jeff, years ago, was, came right out of a detox and went, first meeting he ever came to was position of neutrality when it was a crystal meth anonymous meeting. Without outing him too bad, he wasn't the type that would normally wander in to a crystal meth anonymous meeting. But he did. And within a short amount of time, he was chairing the meeting. And as I got to know him, I found out that he had had a little bit of a beef. And he was going through a case. And that he eventually got sentenced. And he went to the penitentiary for five years or so. And we stayed in touch with Jeff while he was in. And he went in and he just started serving right there. Because he figured if the God he'd met out there... Wanted him in prison. There must be somebody there he was appointed to meet. And so he met lots of people, and he's impacted a lot of lives. And when he got out after those five years, wasn't but a week later, he came back and chaired another P.O.N. But that's a fact. So, so it says the whole situation has long since been adjusted. Before taking drastic action, which would might implicate other people, we secure their consent. So if I'm going to affect them, I, I need to get their consent. What if they don't give me their consent? Then I'm going to have to consult the spirit about another plan, aren't I? Okay. The thing is, we get stuck in our head about the only way it can be done, 
and we're consistently wrong. Any of you ever been surprised at the ways things can be done when you got out of the way? <laughs> if we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. They're trying to describe the experience of that. Any of you have to place yourself there. But I've asked God, and I've got a confirmation. This is, I'm going to have to do this. Whatever it is, got to go. You know another guy in the room that had this experience? One of the bravest men I know, Matt Barrick. I'm not supposed to say his name out loud, but he was living in Mexico comfortably with a little bit of a debacle overhanging him. And family asked him to go man up. So he came back, and he did. Matt did a life sentence. He spent the entire time in there helping educate people. Help. He found out there was purpose in helping people on the inside. He ran into our partners, Karen, a lot of us that are, you know, anyway, he's now here reaching out to you. He's running the team that reached out to you guys. But I guarantee you he knew what it was to feel a drastic step was indicated. Yes? Okay. It's sensory. I'm trying to call your attention to what any lengths might look like. Because it's individual, isn't it? Okay. So this brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. Any of you guys ever do something like that? Promise to do a little work for somebody? Need a little advance to buy materials? Any of you ever do that? I'm the only some bitch ever did that. Huh? Well, when it came time to deliver the money, he had no explanation he cared to give. I must be in the wrong room. None of you guys did them. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as the basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview. This is a guy who was an old Oxford group member, and he was more in the religious lane than in the fellowship lane, and so his church family was important to him. And while he was drinking with this cat, the guy gave him money for the church fund, and any of you ever have money in your possession that was supposed to go somewhere else and had a really high evaporative rate in your possession? <laughs> so he, he, his wrongdoing was he misappropriated the money and then he laid it on the other cat. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so he says he felt that he'd done a wrong that he could not possibly make right. That makes it awkward to see that person again, doesn't it? So when they talk to you about how he felt, you got to internalize that guilt, shame, remorse we feel when somebody that we're trading with, and now we've done them wrong, and we're lying about that outcome, and now i got to face them again. It's hard, right? Okay. He, if he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. So he's got a question 
what right had he to involve those dependent upon him? Question mark. So based on the guiding principles, what right did he have? None without their consultation, right? See how these are guiding principles? A very simple operating manual for a very complex machine, the human mind. If you just follow instructions, you walk right out into the manner of living. Make sense? Okay. So what right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a pub public statement exonerating his rival? That's a deeper question, isn't it? Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. How could he possibly? All the people he defrauded in the church family, he didn't even know who they are. He hadn't been able to go to church for years, they're going to tell us later. How could he? Come on, where's my spiritual warriors in here? You consult the spirit, right, Blue? You'd have to consult the spirit to find out how. Does that make sense? Okay. So by now, you better know that spirit's a real thing. You better know it's tangible. You better know it's sensory. You better know that it's this guiding light, yes? Okay. All right, so after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. See, I can't keep lying about my brother, particularly to the church family, because that just is not going to go well on anyone's theology. And if you, don't, if you don't get it with the church family, how many of you, where's my brothers and sisters who have absconded with the, eight, the seventh tradition money? Kind of hard to go back to that group, isn't it? But you, you can't go back till you go back, right? Okay. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he, or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. Have you ever got to that point that if I don't come clean, I'm not going to be able to take it? They're talking about a sensory experience. Like something's got to give, right? Okay. He attended church for the first time in many years. Think about that. This was important to him, and this harm had kept him away from the single source of fellowship he had had for years. Any of you get yourself so isolated you couldn't go anywhere you would have thought you could find comfort so you're just stuck with you and your condemning thoughts? That's what he's talking about. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. Tell me, how many of you guys got a church family or did have at some point? How many of you imagine that Although his demeanor may have been quiet, he did not feel quiet. Right? That would be a hard thing to get up and say. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. And then it says his action met widespread approval. And today he's one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. So I call your attention to what we see every day and we miss what we're seeing. The thief of the church fund converted into the most trusted citizen of the town through the power of testimony. Any of you know the power of testimony? The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Anybody? <laughs> Perhaps we're mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. 
We doubt if in this respect alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. So they weren't very good at, you know, all sex, the whole deal. So women, you know, vice versa, and, and whatever flavor is your flavor. Most of us have had some human interactions. Okay, so, but drinking does, does complicate sex relations in the home. Where's my tweakers? <laughs> Complicated, right? <laughs> Can't even get to the right home for weeks. <laughs> Don't even have one, right? It's a box under a bush down through. Okay. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. So that's what I see. Yeah? Any of you have family members that got worn out? Resentful, uncommunicative? <laughs> but now I'm learning to question my thoughts, right? Because the world's reflecting how I think and feel. I've got to start in the manner of living. So the very next question is, how could she be anything else? That's why there's a chapter to the wives. So how could she be any different given what showed up, what happened all these times? Okay? Okay. The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. Now they're talking about perhaps you, me, how we get. I'm, I'm seeing this, I'm feeling this. Wow, here I am not picking up and all that. Why aren't we honoring me? He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Sean has brochures if anyone's interested. <laughs> Perhaps he's having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. Have any of you ever met him or her? The one who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? So, question mark again, go inward. It is not their understanding that is in question. Yes? They may be very understanding people. But I'm not really going to have consequences as a result of their understanding. I'm going to have consequences that I'm going to share with others as a result of my misconduct. Does that make sense? Okay. So a man so involved often feels very remorseful at times especially if he's married to a loyal and courageous girl who's literally gone through hell for him. So they're trying to get us to go back to, look, I've done all this before, and I know how to do that. This whole manner of living where I treat people the way they deserve to be treated, regardless of how they're treating me, that requires consciousness of a power greater than me and me. Does it make sense? So this is the fitness, this is the freedom, but I'm going to have to get disciplined. And this is the first Step of discipline is learning this practice. Make sense? Okay, so whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we're sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? No. We got the nose. So you're going to settle these questions for yourself. Okay. Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we've been wild, should we tell her in detail? Ooh, that was a much bigger no section. 
Some of you must have some lived experience with that. Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She'll want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. Pay attention to the words. They said we feel we ought to say. How many of you have felt you ought to say one thing and something else squirted out? So we're going to talk about that too because that's about growing in consciousness, right? Okay. All right, so we're sorry for what we've done, and God willing it will... It will, shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, so this is the other bunch of us that have had the experience of not having restraint that would have been wise in the moment. Any of you ever lacked restraint and you only knew after the fact that it was a... Yeah. And though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we've often found this the best course to take. So even the mistake, when I let it out, it's at least calling to my attention spiritually, I've got work to do. Does that make sense? There's going to be more to do about this to make sure I'm not moving quite so recklessly. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It's as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. I always like to caution at this point, it's best that he or she discover that on their own and that you not bring that little fact up. It's better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. You ever had a point where you just had to come clean? Did you know it was a point you just had to come clean? So now they're starting to tell you what it is like to grow in consciousness in the spirit, awareness of being aware. I got to do this, whatever the outcome is, and I got to be loving through this process because what I did was not loving, but it ain't going away. Okay. All right, so no outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. This is how you're going to grow in consciousness of the power within you. No outsider. It's you and the new man. Working it out. Yeah? New woman. Make sense? Okay. So it may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk face-to-face -face combat. So basically all they're saying is, look, it's going to be heartbreak because it's a betrayal. It's going to be difficult. The fact is calling to their attention that they're acting badly because of the difficulty they're going through on my account is not going to be helpful. Does it make sense? So what I need to do is start living better, acting better, and being agreeable. And if I'm unable to do that, I better ask for willingness till it comes. Starting to make sense now how this becomes a whole manner of living, getting us ready for servitude. All right, so if we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. 
Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Any of you ever hear that? To Lance's point, any of you ever said that? Does that make any sense in light of our lived experience? If the only thing I needed to do was do the one thing I admitted I can't do in one, I am truly hosed. So it doesn't make any sense. Certainly he must keep sober, for there'll be no home if he doesn't. But he's yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents, whom for years he's so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have had no homes today, would perhaps be dead. Any of you relate to that? You could go on that journey with them, right? Aren't we amazed sometimes that we're not dead in spite of all the things we did and all the people we watched that so the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others they're trying to paint a picture of what it was like to be in proximity to me at another time in another life maybe you a tornado that's an instructive force not something people appreciate coming to visit their neighborhood Right? Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man's unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. Any of you do that to people? Lied to them? Cheated? Stole? Maybe you, all you that are honest and never stole anything, if you ever let anyone down, you stole their hope, you stole their faith. You stole their trust. Does that make sense? We're all thieves. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Even if it's not, we steal in the spirit. And we've got to return to the spirit in order to return that. Does that make sense? Okay. So he's like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Guys, you got to start internalizing all the pictures they're painting because it is going to require a power greater than me to restore dead relationships. It's going to require resurrection power to resurrect that stuff. I don't know why anyone wants to hide that. That's just a fact. Yes? It's beyond my power to do that. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. So that's a prayer that I don't know why it doesn't appear on very many hall walls. But I, I want to be talking regularly to this power within me to show me the way of patience, kindness, tolerance, love. Start walking in it and asking for that vision. Does that make sense? And, and, and I, as I grow, will be more appreciative of the difficult times because of the ability to let go of some of that stuff in order to walk in this way. Does it make sense?
Um, you got to know what's up because I want to tell you, especially our population, our family is not all that excited, some of them, to see us. Right? Some of them don't ever want to see us, is what they say. And so our family grows, and eventually we may get to go back to them. But what, one of the things I think we need to pay attention to is the family likes you in your old role. They're comfortable with you were the disruptor, you were the source of disruption. When you come in and you're not that, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So we need to work on those dynamics and get you on your, on your feet before you go into that environment again because many of us, as soon as we go back into that environment, we just go into our role and then we go back to what we know. Does that make sense? So we got to be careful about that, but we got to be praying, and in the meantime, we got to be serving. Okay, so then the reason we go through all of that is the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Claim that promise. If you've ever had difficulty with your family because of the difficulties they've had with you, remind yourself, keep walking in the way, and they will change in time. They will follow you out. Okay? When you are a follower of God, you are naturally a leader of men. Claim that. It's a fact. Okay? They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness can make a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would right them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases. But we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. So what I want to remind you in three, the manner of living is to introduce you to who you are and whose you are. The sole purpose. You've lived in a world that has stolen your identity for a time, and we are here to restore your identity. And you are here to turn to your brother and sister and help them come into their identity. Who you are and whose you are. And that's why I can go make these admissions to people, because I am God's. Does that make sense? And I was sent to him for that point to let them know that I now know that as a child of God, I can admit my faults to you, and I can be empowered to make that right to you if you're willing to receive it, and in that, one becomes two. Does that make sense? Remember, faith without works is dead. People see it, they feel it, and they follow, and that's how we all get free. Yeah? We'll read the promises next week. Thank you very much. Woo!